passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. May I have a drum roll, please? May I present to you the 24-7 title. Now, as the name may imply, this title is to be defended anytime, any place, anywhere. When Ryan's when it's time to begin, it's on the rewind around with John Pollock and waiting the 18. That makes sense that these things we see in the ring every week on TV. It's rewind around for Monday night, download a Tuesday morning from the post wrestling site. It's rewind around for Monday night on USA now on the John and Wade take the mic. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Rewind to Raw. It's John Pollock and waiting here with you. On a wonderful Monday night, it is Victoria Day in Canada, so we hope all of you in Canada enjoyed your day off. Yeah, and happy birthday to Victoria. Not Lisa Marie Veron. Uh, the other Victoria. I, I don't think it's her birthday, at Lisa. But ha- yes, happy, not all the Victorias. Victoria Beckham. Sure. Victoria uh, Principal. Victor- yeah. Do you know who Victoria Principal is? Dallas? You'll have to Google it for your answer. Okay, whatever. I don't care. You know you know any other Victorias? Um Victoria um Victoria Park. Yeah, you, you, Anybody who lives uh <laughs> Victoria Park near uh, Victoria Park in Scarborough. Okay, happy. we we First, we like nationalized this this show, and we just left it to Canadians. Now we have just we are very much narrow casting by just uh, throwing out Victoria Park terms. Some people probably got that reference. There actually Most vi- did not. There are actually Victoria Parks everywhere. It's many parks named after Victoria. Yeah. Well, I can only live in one city, so I, I'm not I'm not familiar with all the Victoria Parks out there. All right, happy Happy Victoria Day to anyone with the letter V that starts their name. That has letters from the alphabet that make up a name. I hope everyone's having a wonderful day. What is going on with you? Um, not a whole lot. Um, did uh, a lot of fireworks outside. Um, not so hey, much. You were at my place on Sunday night, and yeah. you, you seemed a little concerned by the sounds outside. I don't know if you were concerned that there were gunshots, but it was fireworks. Well, I think Braden and I, like we, I mean, we would hear these noises and. Uh, we we would wonder. I don't. I didn't think. I didn't really suspect gunshots, but they were odd and they were frequent. And I didn't realize that. Oh, this happens to be a fireworks holiday. Um, 
I don't always think about Victoria Day and fireworks. I mean, if it was the 4th of July, perhaps, but I guess this, this is the closest thing we have to that. Yeah, it's Victoria Day and Canada Day are kind of the designated fireworks displays for the year. I guess so, yes. So, I mean, apologies if I was a little bit concerned. I, I was, um, you know, in downtown Toronto. Well, you got to be prepared at all times. Uh, I guess there was no fireworks uh, activity for you tonight. There was a lot. You were watching the fireworks on your screen. Yes, of course. Baron Corbin and Bobby Lashley, some of those fireworks, spectacular. We get that every week, so we're truly blessed. Well, um, let us move on to the show. Uh, our show, that is. Off the top way, how should we start? Do you, want to, do you want to give away something to start? I'm in a very festive mood here on Victoria Day. I want to give something away to somebody. Well, okay, sure. Yeah, sure. Let's do that. Let's give away a post-wrestling combo pack from the post-wrestling store, store.postwrestling.com, uh, a t-shirt, stickers, and a coffee sleeve. Goes to a lucky patron from the post-wrestling cafe, supporters of our Patreon. So, John, as soon as I uh, managed to talk long enough for me to load up this page... Um, we can start the draw. Okay. Well, can we, can we borrow the same drum roll that they used for tonight's reveal on raw? And I am imagining that we're going to have about the exact same level of reaction uh, from our live audience as they did tonight in Albany, New York. So here we go. Ta-da. The winner is. The winner is, uh, as you can tell, a very accurate uh, representation, John, including the same crowd reaction uh, as, <laughs> as what McFoley received. But congratulations to the winner, David LeClaire from New Milford, Connecticut. This is oh, going to, okay. to Connecticut, the site of uh, last night's Money in the Bank. You know, when I was at Ring of Honor a few weeks ago, a listener came up and was talking to me and he asked, is Way here? And I said, of course Way's here. He's over there. And he said, oh, that's really cool. He, uh, I ordered something off of your store, and he delivered it to my house. And I was like, what? Way came to your house? And he said, yeah. And what a, what a cool little bonus, uh, Way, that you, you came. To, someone was close enough. And there you go. You knock on the door. What, what, could you imagine ordering a shirt from your, your favorite band? And there you open the door. And there, staring right in front of you, is is David Bowie. Well, I can't imagine uh, that happening right now, but um, not in 2019. But you you get the same same level, I think, of surprise if you were to yeah. open your door. Wait yeah, I, right I do, there. I do. I mean, I do this occasionally, honestly. If it's like somebody's local in the Toronto area and happens to be 10 minutes away from the place I live, what sense does it make for me to send this all the way to the post office? like the other post, the real post office, have it go to some central location and then just to go somewhere 10 minutes from my house. If I'm passing by your place anyway, I will probably just drop it off. Like, what's the big deal? Yeah, I feel maybe I shouldn't be advertising this because now it's going to be really, the expectation level is going to be so high. Well, I can tell you this this gentleman in Connecticut will not be getting a personal visit from me. <laughs> well, Mr. Claire, we uh, we will be sending the the best post office worker to give you your coffee sleeve and post wrestling package. So congratulations. Every week we give away a post wrestling prize pack to one of our patrons 
which you can join at postwrestlingcafe.com. Uh, off the top, uh, I just wanted to say thank you to everybody for uh, just the endless feedback I have received today for this uh, for this Owen Hart uh, documentary that we've put out. It has been uh, just nonstop uh, comments I have received since we posted this thing at three o'clock. So I want to thank everyone that has uh, taken the time to listen to it. Uh, it's very much appreciated, and I hope most people have enjoyed it. And if you didn't enjoy it, I appreciate you not uh, direct messaging me and just ruining my day. John, you've done a tremendous job, and I think um, you know that. You know, like I, I, you, you put a, in a great deal of effort into all of these post profiles, but especially this one. So, uh, you know, John was actually a little bit nervous, I would say, last night. You know, before we we uploaded it this afternoon about what the reception would be, and I, I didn't have any doubt that everybody would have loved it. So, uh, I thought you did a great job. And for those who want to know a bit more, perhaps about the behind the scenes production of this audio documentary, we'll be talking about it on this week's Cafe Hangout. Yeah, I thought it would be. First of all, I'm sure this has happened to you many more times th than me, way, but. Having just spent so many hours editing this thing, it, I got to a point where I stopped even like I, I can't analyze this. I don't know any longer what's good, what what's not working. So I was very reliant on, on you and some others to kind of give me that. Uh, I, I could not see the trees from the forest on this thing. I probably have heard this thing nonstop for the last uh, two weeks, hours on end. So uh, I was by the end of it. I just I had no idea. Absolutely no idea. I mean, I personally speaking, and I know I'm a little biased because because you are my friend, but um, I thought like the first listen that I had, it was already incredibly captivating. And like I said before, and I think how, how a lot of people felt about it to me, like if you're if your intent was to kind of, you know, bring people close to, to the situation in, in memory of Owen Hart, um, I thought you did a great job. Well, we're going to talk about it more on Thursday. I thought it'd be kind of interesting. Maybe we can even put up. Uh, a thread to take any questions people might have just about Owen Hart himself. Uh, and I, I'd love to go through some of the, just putting this whole thing together because for the, I started this about a month ago. I actually looked, I did the first interview on good Friday. So the weekend of Easter. So it's been pretty much four weeks of uh, putting this entire thing together. So um, yeah, we can, we can chat more about that on Thursday, but uh, the post profile, it is up right now, postwrestling.com. It's on our iTunes feed. And there's also a video version, correct, Way? Yeah, it's just the audio that's up on YouTube. So if you prefer to listen to your podcast through YouTube, you can go to youtube.com slash postwrestling and you could stream it there. Please share it. I would say, you know, uh, show show everybody um, you appreciate John's hard work. If you know somebody who might appreciate this, especially uh, as we approach the 20th anniversary of Owen's passing on Thursday, please share it. All right. Well, uh, beyond the cafe hangout, we have our full list of shows coming up this week. Of course, Tuesday night, it is rewind to SmackDown night. Wednesday night, we've got the double shot. I actually have no idea what I'm going to be chatting about on the double shot as of this moment, but we will talk about being the elite, which was quite the episode. We actually might chat a little bit about that in the news. Um, yeah. Anything else you have on the uh, on the menu? I don't for uh, Wednesday. I don't think there's any shortage of things to talk about this week. I mean, for one thing, I think you and I could we should talk about Pac versus Page, which actually premieres on their their YouTube channel uh, tomorrow afternoon. So I think the double shot is a perfect place to review that match uh, as well. WWE this week has put out a number of offerings, including the uh, Becky Lynch twenty four that aired, not the twenty four seven 
which is what we'll be talking about. But the 24 <laughs> special that they did on Becky Lynch that we maybe we'll chat a bit about uh, then. Yeah, we could review all the the future 24-7 matches. Yeah. We probably will anyway, you know, throughout the course <laughs> I doubt of this that. history. Oh, my God. We'll get into that. Uh, then on Thursday, we've got a new edition of Up Next, and the Cafe Hangout will be live at 3 p.m. Eastern time. You can tune in live and call into the show if you're at our double-double ice cap or espresso level at uh, postwrestlingcafe.com. Friday, it's the return of our monthly MCU review. We are now up to 2015, so we are reviewing The Avengers Age of Ultron on Friday, and we will be joined by Nate Milton. So it will be the three of us tackling Age of Ultron, and I checked. We're allowed to give out spoilers for the movie on (laughs) Friday. Well, that's good. That's good. Uh, We have to expand for this one. We have to uh, assemble new recruits, and and who, who more qualified than Nate Milton? Saturday night, Way and I will have a live show right after Double or Nothing. We'll go through that entire card from Las Vegas. And then Sunday, uh, I'll be throwing up an interview that I recently did with Fred Ottman, the Shockmaster. And we're going to chat about his many different incarnations, including the Shockmaster and kind of when the, the real rise of popularity in this clip really took hold and how this man has financially benefited from this forgettable segment that has been anything but forgettable to be quite honest so we'll be chatting with fred ottman uh sunday night you can tune in to that on the site so go on over postwrestling.com and postwrestlingcafe.com news time there's quite a bit of it way uh, of stuff to catch up on we should start off with rick flair he did undergo a heart procedure on monday and uh, tmz got a comment from his wife wendy barlow who had stated that the doctor's classified the surgery as a success. Uh, However, Ric Flair has been pulled from the celebrity roast that was going to be going down this Friday in Vegas. As well, he was going to be doing a panel with Jim Ross and Ricky Steamboat, looking back at their series of matches from 1989. I I can't say anyone is uh, too shocked by this. I mean, the idea of having uh, heart surgery on Monday and then flying and doing shows on, on Thursday and Friday just did not seem at all wise or possible. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm sure, you know, the plan was for him to make it had the surgery taken place earlier in the week. But even then, I would have really questioned it. I mean, from the sounds of it, this even even what what it sounded like he was initially going to go in, in for, it sounded way more, I think, taxing on, on the body, especially for a 70-something-year-old man, than um, something that you just simply recover from to go to Las Vegas uh, a week after. So does not surprise me in the least. So, and I'm curious if they are going to try and just put in someone new for the celebrity roast. Uh, StarCast has really not commented on this yet, but I mean, this was actually scheduled to air on traditional pay-per-view on one cable provider up here in Canada. Um, So I don't know if they're going to try and keep this together. They have obviously, uh, I mean, it'd be pretty difficult because they probably have done a lot of comedians have written their material for this thing on Friday. So I don't even know how feasible that is if they could try and just put in someone new uh, and put this roast together for Friday, or if they may just scrap it all together. I'm sure they're going to have to announce something probably on Tuesday. It's probably if they are going to go ahead with it, they'd have to announce that right away. I would think so. Yeah. You and I both had a chance to listen to the uh, Bruce Pritchard roast that they just uploaded. They just uploaded uh, from Starcast on the, uh, something to wrestle uh, feed. And, um, 
I I was you and I went to Starcast, but we did not uh, uh, sit down for this. And I I actually had never been to a or even listened to a pro wrestling bros before. This how many of there have there been? There was the one for um oh they did one in New York. Didn't they do one for Iron Sheik? I think yes. I think the Megan Boys put together one for him. Yes, yes. Uh, this thing was quite something. I mean, it was sort of a combination of um cringe and. I would say legitimately funny jokes and then jokes that were way, way, way too inappropriate as you would expect um, uh, for, for a roast. But you know, all the more amusing considering that Bruce Pritchard is now somebody who is working for the WWE. So I, I could only imagine what this Ric Flair roast would have been. Um, and I, knowing his current condition, I, I, I don't even think recycling any of those jokes might, might even be appropriate. Knowing if, if it's anything similar to the Bruce Pritchard one. Yeah, I, I was, you know, I listened, I listened to the roast. And as you said, with, with Bruce Pritchard being back with WWE, I was really curious if this thing was going to last the weekend uh, up there. Uh, and it did. I mean, they was not pulled. And uh, yeah, there was, uh, th- there was no, there were no jokes that they were not going to touch upon. Under the guise of comedy and under the guise of specifically, you know, these types of like roast roast events, I think you can probably get away with a lot more than 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 a tweet, I suppose. I guess so. Yes, the WWE. I, I don't know what their their sense of humor is uh, when when it comes to uh, some of this. But anyway, uh, we'll keep people posted on on what is going on with uh, this this roast if it's even going to happen on Friday with uh, someone filling in or not. Some other news um, from today's. Episode of Being the Elite, uh, they announced the signing of Brandon Cutler in a very emotional scene, as well as the addition of Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus to the Casino Battle Royal. And uh, there was actually quite a bit of news on this episode because, as we mentioned earlier, they set up the angle at the end of the show where Pac and Hangman Page and their match from the WrestleGate show in Nottingham, England, is going to run Tuesday at noon. So uh, they're going to do another so they'll do the match on Tuesday. They're going to air that Tuesday at noon, and they're doing another episode of Being the Elite on Thursday. So this is their hard push for Saturday. And I guess you and I haven't really discussed this, but Pac and Paige, they did the match in England and will not be happening on Saturday. And Paige is still on the show, but no opponent has been announced for him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, as far as uh, from what you understand, John, do you know what the reasons are, are for that? I mean, what's been reported was was the issue that that Pac has, you know, ever since he has left WWE, he's not done. He's not had any losses. And when he won the Open the Dreamgate Championship back in December, uh, you know, this guy is not losing any matches. He did the the DQ finish with Zack Sabre Jr. He did one with Walter and did the time limit draw with Will Ospreay. So, I mean, that's the story that has been out there is that. Here he was not even uh, scheduled to lose this match, but it was what are we building this up for? If if he cannot lose any matches, then what are we uh, building this up to? And I know that there's been other speculation as well, asking about uh, his visa issues, and I haven't been able to confirm any of that. But that's largely the, the, the public reason that's been reported has been ultimately the finish. And if this guy beats page, well, we're building him up for a match where he does need to lose. And if he can't lose that, then why are we even doing this on Saturday? And so he's off, Mm -hmm. he's off the card. 
Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I find the situation and really kind of the conversation coming out of it pretty interesting. Uh, first of all, I think it's a great, like, it's an interesting look as, uh, to, as you know, how AEW uh, perhaps is, 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 will, will treat a situation like this, you know, curveballs like this. Um, obviously, the question is, you know, why wasn't this something that was brought up before? Uh, knowing that Pac, you know, very much before even AEW's formation kind of had this little caveat to, to all of his bookings. Um, why was it only now that this issue came up? Um, and also, um, interesting to see that they not only managed to decided to go through with the match anyway in another promotion, only to use that promotion or sorry, to use that match on their YouTube channel. From what I understand, they paid Pac. So um, it's interesting to see that. And then also, it'll be interesting to see how they follow up with it uh, at Double or Nothing itself. What who, what opponent is Paige going to get that will, you know, make the audience happy uh, as a make good? Um, I think you know, people are p- perhaps expecting something that not only matches the level of anticipation for Pac, but maybe something that even exceeds it. So to me, it's it's all become a pretty interesting study of AEW. Yeah, and, you know, whenever you do the, the mystery opponent, it... Is going to lead to people speculating about everybody, and therefore expectations are heightened. So you better have something great. Whereas if they have a, a medium surprise, I would just announce it ahead of time and not have that that kind of bubble burst. And then you have an audience that's kind of you know they're let down by whatever the replacement is. Because yeah, you were you were talking about an anticipated match on that card that you're not ultimately going to be able to deliver on Saturday for that crowd. Mm-hmm. What else do we have here? Uh, NXT, they will be hosting their War Games event in November. That'll be the final takeover of the year. That's November the 23rd in Chicago. Jordan Grace has signed with Impact Wrestling. Uh, The story had come out over the weekend uh, through PW Insider that she had been offered a contract months ago, back in October, and had not signed the contract. So this comes out over the weekend, and Impact ultimately was able to get her to sign And it's a two-year deal, so she will be with Impact through May of 2021. But it seemed like there was, you know, some just major delays here and uh, going on here where Jordan Grace, like, she's been fairly, she's been featured fairly prominently on television throughout this whole period and not having her under a contract this whole time. And I I don't know if it was something that they have just been... um, you know, pushing her to sign if it was something that just kind of got pushed to the side and they didn't, uh, they weren't necessarily pressing it or it was their top priority. But ultimately, they got her to put her name on a piece of paper this weekend and now can move forward. So for the next two years, she will be with Impact. And she sounds like she's pretty happy with the deal. And she will, she does have another job and is going to be working less at her other job. And will also be, you know, it sounds like it's a deal that she's happy with in the end. And had interest elsewhere as well. It's good to hear it. And I think it's, it's actually, you know, um, the women's division at impact wrestling seems to be one that a lot of women are choosing to flock towards. And um, I, it certainly has a better reputation at this point than something like the ring of honor women's division. Um, So I I hope it's something that, you know, impact continues to foster um, because I, I feel like they actually have a leg up on the competition with something like this. Yeah. They've, their division is, I, I think one of the most solid aspects of impact wrestling, given the talent that they have other than uh, Tessa Blanchard now feuding with Glenn Gilberti on TV. 
So well, I might I might have to walk back my my proclamation about that in a few weeks, but we'll see where that one goes. And the final one here, uh, Game Changer Wrestling has announced Spring Break 4 for April the 3rd in Ybor City, Florida. It's going to be an 8 p.m. show, and they have booked a venue, the Cuban Club, which means this one, they are holding it outdoors, and it can hold up to 4,500 people. Uh, this is about four and a half miles away from Raymond James Stadium, where WrestleMania is going to be taking place. Uh, this sound, I have just looked at pictures of this, and this looks like an incredible venue they have booked. And it is going to be a- any problems about um, that they had at the White Eagle Hall. This sounds like this is um, a way, way better setup for them. I cannot imagine them getting close to 4,500. I guarantee it's going to be a lot more, though, than what they left on the table this year. Yeah, so I mean, I guess that answers the question of whether or not they would do two nights again. Um, no reason to this time around, I suppose. And I think that would improve the show in general. Um, I wonder when they, where they would put the clusterfuck. That's the biggest, biggest, biggest question I have. An hour and a half battle roll of complete no names and ridiculous uh, nonsense. Where would that fit? Maybe it'll be multiple rings all around the field. It just goes on in the Maybe. background. Just goes on and on and on. Um, I think, I think it'll do well though. I, I think that this year they could have sold 2000 tickets to that show. Uh, yes, very possible. Very possible. And I, I think this will probably test the limit of, you know, what, what is the, what is the market out there for, um, kind of novelty wrestling that's, you know, not necessarily full of names, but more so full of crazy ideas that, you know, will be memorable by the end of the weekend. Uh, I think it continues to be a very hot ticket and. People are probably marking it down in their calendars right now. Maybe they'll introduce a 1-1 title. It's defended one day a year for a one-hour window, and it happens at spring break. Uh, That sounds like something the Orange Cassidy show might do. (laughs) I wonder if Orange Cassidy will do another. I think they will go and do another show if he is still around next year. Yeah, I wonder. I wonder what other... I mean, certainly I think you can expect Bloodsport to come back. I thought that was a tremendous success this uh, la- last year. I mean, even the Orange Cassidy show sold really well. Eh. Now, watching the show, I, I can't necessarily say I enjoyed that one as much. But um, I, I wonder which ones they, they will do and, and what new ideas uh, GCW might come up with. Yeah, and they are promoting The Collective again for this venue. And they booked it for April 2nd, 3rd, and 4th. So they have this place for three nights. And that probably, you're, you're figuring a minimum two shows a day, maybe three for some, um, that they'll be doing multiple shows out of this uh, Cuban club. So that is uh, the Game Changer Wrestling News. And we'll transition over to Raw, Monday night in Albany, New York. And it started off with Brock Lesnar and Paul Heyman coming out. Brock walks out. And Michael Cole says, the beast is here. Or should I say, the beast in the bank? No, Michael, you should not say that. But that is clearly the tagline they're going with for Brock Lesnar. The beast in the bank. It was his closing line, I believe, yesterday. Or one of his closing lines. Um, yeah, whatever. You got some alliteration there. Now, the beast is not actually inside the bank. Like, he's not in the in the beef briefcase. Um yes, he is um <laughs> he, he is controlling the the assets that you would store in the bank. So he is <laughs> we're you know, anyway. Let 
let's let's just cut to the the real the real meat of this segment. Yes, please. What was Brock doing with the briefcase? This was Boombox Brock. That's that's the nickname. <laughs> that's way better. That is way better. That's the nickname they should come, should have come up with. I don't know whose idea this was. I don't know if it was Paul Heyman's suggestion or if it was some dude in the back uh, who was like, "Hey, Brock, you know what'd be great." is if you came out here holding this briefcase and repeatedly mimed listening to it as if it was a giant boombox on your shoulder. That would be Brock, hilarious. Brock, are you, are you familiar with meme culture? And I'm sure Brock said, oh, absolutely. I'm very, I'm very much up on, on this kind of virability that Wait I a second. introduce. I know you're joking about that, but Suplex City is something he's very familiar with and he's profited greatly off of. And that came about from just a random thing he said in the ring. And turned into a big series of T-shirts. He's been riding for like three years now. That that was capitalizing on something. This was like this. This was intentional for something that they knew was just going to be spread every on every person's timeline. It True. was going to be this five seconds uh, repeatedly throughout the show. Like this was a, a clear intent to just have something that was going to be uh, visually uh, shareable all night long. And that's what this was, and it worked absolutely. So uh, he's just rocking out to his briefcase, and they showed highlights of the ending of the match. The beast in the bank, Heyman mentions, is also, are you ready for this t-shirt way? The purveyor of paranoia. (laughs) The B in the B is also the P of P. The purveyor of paranoia. I mean, I'm sure that that fits great on a WWE.com write-up. Um, Scott Stanford <laughs> is probably preparing in his script for next week right now, but I just, uh, I don't know. Hi there, Canada. The purveyor of paranoia is coming to Regina. Oh, you joke, but yeah, he's, he'll be taking on the dynamo, the, what a dreadlock dynamo. <laughs> that one had a very short shelf life, didn't it? It probably still exists in, in there in the universe. Yeah. Heyman outlined the conspiracy theories that are out there about Brock being uh, sneaking into the arena and insinuates a high-ranking official working out a deal to put him into the match after Sami Zayn was attacked, but says that's just a conspiracy theory. And this was the most it was referenced, and there was really no follow-up on this about Hunter largely orchestrating this whole deal to have Brock Lesnar win. I mean, we had... Just this mention, that was about it. There was no, there was nothing further with Hunter. I would say this was probably, I mean, this as well as, you know, um, the, the no DQ match uh, ending up in the main event without prior warning to the baby faces, I, I feel is they are certainly um, more than hinting that, oh, Triple H is a heel again. And this is, you know, it, you like, like you said, there were, wasn't anybody directly going after Triple H uh, for, for these injustices. It's more so now just being accepted as, you know, a McMahon doing a heel- heelish thing. So then Heyman talks about uh, how Zayn was attacked and then blames. He says that everyone wants to blame Lesnar and they'll even blame him for the JFK assassination. And Rollins and Kofi Kingston, he says, are marked men. They have a target on their backs and quotes his father, Tricky Dicky Dangerously from the Bronx who said, just because you're paranoid doesn't mean the whole world is not against you. And he says the whole world is not against Rollins, but Lesnar is against him, and that's worse than having the entire world against you. I like that um, in my head canon, 
Paul Heyman's real last name is Dangerously. Yes. And and his uh, WWE name, his stage name is Heyman. I like that uh, Brock Lesnar was exonerated for the assassination of John F. Kennedy um, 14 years after John F. Kennedy was killed. Brock Lesnar was born. Well, he's a, he could be a time traveler. That's true. That's true. He could have um, that ability to swap times in the, uh, the, the multiverse of Brock Lesnar. Yeah. So that ended the opening segment. Seth Rollins, or sorry, Seth Rollins comes out at this point after Heyman's portion is done. And he said he had the fight of his life last night. He won. He beat Lesnar at WrestleMania, and he doesn't want to wait and challenges Brock to cash in the briefcase tonight. Everyone's going nuts. These fans in Albany, way too optimistic. And Heyman says that he's going to have to wait until Lesnar feels like cashing in the contract. And Rollins should be used to waiting just like he waited seven hours at WrestleMania for his girlfriend to main event like Seth had wanted to. And Seth was just furious at Heyman bringing up his girlfriend. Yeah. Who was, was not identified by name, but clearly outlined here. And they're very much making public now. So, yeah, it's I guess it's it's uh, free to be used now in promos. Mm-hmm. You know, you knew they were going to use it for heat as soon as they became public. And what a way to... Pull that card, um, then to have Paul Heyman, then to have Paul Heyman do it. I thought, I thought it was a great line, and uh, maybe it's only a matter of time before they're involved in an angle together. Because I'm sure you know the WWE salivating over uh, intergender match between these two. Like, think about the business, or at least the the notoriety that you know a, a John Cena and Nikki Bella team uh, created. To have your two champions on Raw team up together, I'm sure is something that they want to do. Man, is it's just just like setting the stage for the return of Sable, <laughs> the yeah. biggest mixed match challenge ever. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that would be quite the quite the match. Heyman asks if he's if Rollins is even worthy to be cashed in on, and says Brock might choose to cash in on Kofi Kingston. So we have established that Brock Lesnar can cash in on either champion. And this prompts Kofi to come out. As they note, the wild card rule is in effect. And Cole explains uh, Brock's ability to cash in on either. And Kofi says he wants to be remembered as one of the greatest champions of all time. So he needs to defend against the best and cement his legacy. Heyman says that you guys have a long night ahead of you. And Brock isn't going anywhere. The beast is yet to come. And they made it clear, folks... We know you have plans to watch the basketball game, but tune out at your own peril because you might miss Brock Lesnar if you go watch Portland and Golden State tonight. This is the only place you need to be tonight because Brock will be lurking with this briefcase. And by the end of the evening, you're going to have plenty of basketball fans never wanting to switch away from basketball again, I bet. But they showed you. Uh, you know, I thought this was a really good segment highlighted by Paul Heyman's performance. Um, I've been very critical, I, I feel, of late of, of Paul Heyman because I think his act, along with Brock, has really kind of felt dated and, and just tired. But here, Brock with the money in the bank briefcase just it gives him a fresh coat of paint. It's something we've never seen before. What is, you know, this monster going to be like with this infinity gauntlet 
um, that that now gives him all these uh, like bonus powers. So therefore, I, it not only freshes up Brock, but it freshes up his mouthpiece as well. And so for the first time in a while, it actually feels like Paul Heyman actually has something to say. So I thought he was great. I thought Seth was really good as well. And uh, they are definitely, at least for one week, teasing the cash-in. Um, by the end of the night, though, I guess this is perhaps as much as we're, we're going to get. Then they showed Mick Foley arriving in the back with a championship title that was concealed. And he meets up with Hawkins and Ryder. He runs into Titus O'Neil and Dana Brooke. And these are always like these little segments that, you know, most you could just fast forward through. But tonight I got my reward for not fast forwarding because we got to hear uh, underneath the music, Mick Foley runs into Drake Maverick. And what does he refer to him as? Hey, the Spudster, <laughs> <laughs> the rock star himself, and I guess Mick Foley and the the people that he was meeting with would would be a good sign. Actually, this this might have been uh, most of these people were almost a level above what would be uh, privy to this title later. Zayn is then pleading to Bobby Lashley and tells Bobby, "I know we haven't always seen eye to eye, which brought everyone back to a year ago in their tremendous feud." Zayn is appealing to Lashley because tonight Zayn has to take on Strowman, and Strowman is facing Lashley at Super Showdown. Lashley informs him, I will not be helping you tonight, but you can go soften up Strowman for me. And Zayn is absolutely petrified as he is getting set to face Braun Strowman in a singles match. We go backstage, Rollins and Kingston run into Hunter. They ask, what's going on with us tonight? And he announces, again, folks, if you're looking at this basketball game, Think wisely before you tune out because tonight you're going to get Rollins and Kingston against Bobby Lashley and Baron Corbin in the main event. Two and a half hours from now, this is the network you're going to want to be tuned into. It was the best they could do. I guess it was, yes. And then they plugged the Super Showdown. They didn't announce the city. They will return to Jeddah for a, quote, international pay-per-view event that will be, quote, equivalent to or exceed WrestleMania, which in the overall strategy of WWE, typically overly promoting things. I like the fact that they're at least somewhat hedging their bets here. I mean, if it's not better than WrestleMania, it's at least going to be as good as WrestleMania. So they're giving you some wiggle room here. Well, financially, it certainly exceeds WrestleMania. So that is true. That's yeah. probably what they're referring to. Why don't they just say that? What's better than WrestleMania? What what will make us more money than WrestleMania? Oh, you have like you could just keep the uh the graphics from Money in the Bank and it and you know you can the theme song the, the theme song the theme song is Michael Cole saying, you know what, folks, we're about to get well into the eight figures for this show coming up, and it is going to be a financial windfall for us, and it comes twice a year for us. It is Super Showdown. It is Super Profits coming June the 7th on Friday afternoon. Um, yeah. Yeah, this is quite the tagline they're using for this show. Equivalent to or exceeding <laughs> WrestleMania. So Which, they, I, I mean, what a, what, a, what a way to shit on Money in the Bank. Well, listen. It would be way better than that stuff we gave you last <laughs> night. Um, but, you know, I, it's interesting to see this time around what, what they're willing to say and what not, not willing to say. Uh, Saudi Arabia seems to be a no-no, but Jeddah is totally fine. So I guess for maybe all they suspect, perhaps 
they they maybe they want people to think Jed is in Wisconsin or something. Yeah, yeah, maybe they're maybe they're thinking of the 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 car the uh the Jeep model or a car model. Yeah. The Jetta. Remember that? I think that's a Volkswagen. Okay. Sammy Zane Braun Strowman. <laughs> Strowman just chases him backstage, runs into Lashley, and this allows Zane to sucker punch Braun. They fought back into the arena. Zane looked like a total idiot here. Uh comes in Comes off his shoulders. Braun goes into the post twice, then into the ring. Braun runs shoulder first into the post. He goes from all different angles with his shoulder. And then the bell rings to start the match. Strowman kills him, tackles him on the floor, power slam, and he pins Sami Zayn in 45 seconds. Yeah, I guess this is uh, his way of... You know, Braun really does look silly coming out of all this. Not only does he lose his money in the bank thing, but... um, Coming out of this, like to me, Triple H is the person that I think Braun Strowman should be after, yet he is not setting his sights on him whatsoever. I suppose he should also be getting revenge on who is it, McIntyre and all, that whole trifecta as well. But doesn't... he didn't, he wasn't booked to care about any of that. It was, he was going after Zane. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it, it just seemed like, yeah, there was no real connection there. And Zane, to me, whatever momentum this guy was having, he felt like this was a, an enormous step back. I don't know if if he was supposed to have any momentum at all. I mean, clearly, you know, the spot was designed for him to be beaten up by Brock Lesnar. That's probably why they didn't want Braun Strowman there. Um, I'm t- I'm talking about since his return. I thought I thought his uh, promos that he was he was gaining some steam. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I I just I just don't know if that was meant to be anything more than just simply Vince needing a mouthpiece to to get out his frustrations. But uh, he he is who he is. He's the geek. He's the dork who gets beaten up by by grown men. He's in the same place that where Kevin Owens was last year. Well, maybe that will be something to watch. Maybe if this basketball game kills them on Monday, Sammy's gonna have that microphone real quick on Tuesday night on SmackDown. Yes. Speaking of microphones, there was Charlie in the ring, and she brought out Lars Sullivan, and said his path of destruction has been unparalleled. And they threw to a highlight reel, and she asked him about his goals. But before he could speak, he was interrupted by the Lucha House Party, which Renee responded by asking, What the hell? This is ridiculous. And the Lucha House Party got in quite a bit of offense here on Lars. They hit springboard drop kicks and eventually sent Lars to the floor. He lands on his feet, caught Kalisto and dropped him on the apron, and then took a pair of suicide dives and then fought off Dorado and Metalik. So Lars Sullivan was still standing, but I, th- I thought he took more here than you would expect uh, for the the Lucha House Party uh, to get in on this guy. Mm-hmm, yeah, and that's part of the reason why I like this, because this, this was out of the ordinary of what you've been seeing from Lars Sullivan. This felt like it was actually the beginnings of a, a minor feud, something that you know was more than just him beating up a bunch of jobbers. I thought the beatdown was a little good. Like, the Lucha House Party... And their tandem offense made them look impressive. It they they certainly you know didn't get the job done here, but it was an improvement over last night. And now I find myself wanting to cheer for them to do better each time. So it it reminds me of like the Team Extreme versus Brock Lesnar thing when he first debuted. Uh, in the end, of course, you know Lars is going to destroy these guys, but I think it at least builds a bit more intrigue than your typical Lars Sullivan beatdown. Maybe Lars should go invade 205 Live. Just run through the entire show. Everybody. 
And that's the hour every week. Yes. Would you would you just watch Lars Sullivan on 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 the attack for forty five minutes? Um, maybe for he, go, he goes cruiser. He goes cruiserweight by cruiserweight, and it's the end of two hundred five live by the end of it. Yeah, uh, I don't know. Maybe for one week, I'll watch it. They showed Ricochet from earlier in the day uh, being tended to in the trainer's room after being thrown through a ladder by Drew McIntyre the night before, and Cesaro walks in and says he deserves to be hurt. And Ricochet is part of the bubble wrap generation. And Ricochet stands up to Cesaro and challenges him to a match. And Cesaro just laughs at him. Cesaro played a great asshole here. I wasn't as big of a fan. I mean, I don't know. I don't know what it is. But uh, to me, he's still kind of lacking. Like, anyway. In this Tough crowd. Well, they had a match. And what was notable was Cesaro has gotten new entrance music. Yes. And uh, new Titan Tron. Yeah, what did you think? Um, it was music. It was sounds to walk out to. Didn't leave much of an impression on me. Me neither. I think it's better than his last theme, but I can't even really tell you if that's the case because I really do not remember his last theme at all. So this was a match that was early on highlighted by the choice of going to a split screen. The first one was Cesaro launching Ricochet in the air, and he came down with a back body drop. So he's like landing on his ass right as an ad for Gold Bond shows up. And I thought this was the most ridiculous thing. Like the most like out of context ad is like, here's a guy taking a giant bump onto his ass with Gold Bond. This was also the match where they just hammered you over the head with this Secret Life of Pets 2 movie that's coming out that Michael Cole, just poor guy, like he deserves all the money that he receives from Vince because having to like awkwardly throw to uh, Cesaro's looking great lately. But don't forget the Secret Life of Pets that's coming out uh, such and such. He had to do this like three times. And the worst was this next cutaway that I'm sure you're about to talk about. Yes. So... After the Gold Bond ad, which Gold Bond will be sponsoring Stomping Grounds because they had the Stomping Grounds logo on this. So we are just, it's just a mess of promoting all these shows. Ricochet, first he stands onto Cesaro's shoulders and backflips off, does this multiple rotation tilt-a-whirl head scissors, and he sets up for a Fosbury flop, but they kill the sound and go to a split screen for us to be aware of the secret life of Pets 2 which I would question, is that grammatically correct? Should it not be the secret lives of pets too? Secret life of pets. The secret Like these lives. pets are not, are not, uh, are not, lives of you pets. know, the secret life. living one life. It's multiple right. lives. You know, it might be a maple leaves, maple leaves thing. Maybe it's just something they, you know, I don't know. You might be Does right. this mean there is a, there was a secret life of pets one? Yes, of course that's what that means. Oh, and there was just so much to to answer afterwards that here comes the sequel. Um, so, dude, there's yes. just yeah, this was ridiculous. This cutaway was terrible. I mean, first of all, just the 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 force feeding of of, of these brands into the body of the match was at a to me at, at like ridiculous levels in this match. But to do it immediately as Ricochet is about to go for his big dive, the big spot of the match, there's no excuse for it. And I don't think there's a better way to turn off your audience to a product that you're trying to sell 
than to interrupt their wrestling match, the most exciting part of their wrestling match, a ricochet dive with your fucking split screen ad. I cannot un- see how an advertiser would be happy with this. The pets must be pissed off about this. Okay. The Secret Life of Pets, a 2016 3D American commu- computer animated comedy film. Let me get the basic premise here. Oh, okay, this plot is too long. Okay. This thing had a $75 million budget. Do you want to guess what this did at the box office? Seven hundred. This is going to answer million. $875.5 million. So that answers your question right there. I have not heard of this movie. I'm clearly uh, just completely removed from uh, pop culture. But this came out in June of 2016. Well, uh, maybe uh, someday you could take Max to The Secret Life of Pets 3. This stars Louis C.K., Kevin Hart, Dana Carvey Listen, as John, Pops. John, they're not paying us to talk about this, so I don't think we have to continue. I'm, try- I'm just trying to get an idea of the, the Secret Life of Pets. It's quite the phenomenon. The match ended with Ricochet coming back from his Fosbury flop and taking a backbreaker and hit with a neutralizer. And Cesaro won. Yeah. You know, the match was good stuff. It was obviously not at the level of of what you might see between these two in an NXT. But for a Raw TV match, it was certainly above the norm. I thought both men looked good. I think... You know, the excuse they gave for Ricochet here losing is that he's not 100% coming off of the money in the bank. I don't affect, I don't think it affects Ricochet's stock. He's pretty much near at the bottom. Oh, yeah, anyway. it, it, it's soaring. Yes. <laughs> he's pretty much near yeah. at the bottom anyway, but you know, this is the type of push that they're giving Ricochet. He is like the Raw's Mustafa Ali. He is Daniel Bryan during his babyface run. He is the underdog who fights hard but comes up short, no pun intended, more often than not. Um, so it means that maybe in four or five years' time, he might get the Daniel Bryan <laughs> push. When yeah, the audience given... turns, when the audience starts to take over the shows in protest because they're so upset that this guy has been neglected, he will become a bona fide babyface. That's how they push their babyfaces. What will his name be in three years? Because, you know, that'll be the first thing blamed. It's like, how can fans get into a sound effect? Oh, by the way, they did add that sound effect. To the beginning of his entrance, like oh yeah, it's been there a few a few times now. Has it really? Yeah, the doom. I it was uh it was noted uh when we were watching it on Sunday because it was the first time Braden had heard it and was not impressed. It's the first time I I had heard it, but yeah. Charlie was in the back with AJ Styles. He says it's back to square one for me. I've got a lot of hard work to do, but I like hard work. He knows he can beat Seth Rollins, but it wasn't last night. He lost fair and square. Corbin walks in mocking him and said, Styles didn't even deserve the title match. It's like, dude, he beat you to get the title match. Um, he calls him a disgrace and calls Styles. A, it was a slap in the face. And Styles says, no, this is a slap in the face. And he slapped him in the face. And Corbin said, you're going to pay for that one. I like- not tonight. No, not tonight. Later. I like the slap a lot. I thought it made AJ look like a bit of a badass. Yeah, there's nothing like um, a solid slap to somebody. Men don't slap each other um, often enough on this show. Yeah. Don't go for the closed fist. A slap is something that it's just like it stings and it's insulting as well. Well, you've heard of the woman's right. 
How about the man slap? The man slap, yes. I'm just allowed I'm I just hope Corbin got permission from Stephanie to use her finish. <laughs> Roman Reigns came out and was followed by Shane McMahon, who announced I am done with the Miz. Uh and now I am focused on Roman Reigns after you struck my father a few weeks ago. And Roman was like, Oh yeah, I did that. And again, Shane asks, what type of man strikes another man's father? So we're into the reruns with Shane's promos. Reigns, this is how he's going to ensure that he is, uh, he is cheered against this man. His go-to is calling Shane a spoiled rich kid. Reigns says, I'm done with Elias too, so my schedule's open. And Shane says, well, Elias is not done with you, and one fluke victory does not prove anything. And he asks the audience if they want to see them face off tonight. But they're not going to. Shane brought out Drew McIntyre as his muscle and then announced that Reigns will take on Shane at the Super Showdown. Yeah. On international soil. Yeah, in Jeddah. Um, it feels like they're picking back up on, on a program that they started several weeks ago when Roman, at the time, was probably believed to be exclusive to SmackDown. I, I don't know... If they had to juggle anything, you know, after the the wild card stuff, but like you said, it was kind of Shane doing the same promo that he did that first week. Um, we'll see. Yeah, Shane versus Roman. Earlier than I thought they were going to go to this match. Uh, you were thinking that they might continue the Miz thing. I thought they might get one more match out of the Miz, and I thought Reigns was going to be kind of the the ultimate match that they build up to something like in the summer. But no, they're going to it in two weeks. We'll probably still, I mean, we'll get a few matches out of this, I assume. Yeah, there's a, Shane could very well win this first one. He's been winning everything, yeah. They ran a promo for SmackDown. We're going to get Bailey on the show. A rematch between Roman Reigns and Elias. This is my punishment for what I got on Sunday. And the return of Big E. Yeah. The new day is back to full strength. Then Shane and Drew are in the back. They're interviewed by Sarah Schreiber. And the insinuation is that Shane is not coming to Super Showdown alone. And then The Miz interrupts them. Drew says, Shane is done with you. And this leads to Drew and Miz setting up a match for later. Miz is going to get through Drew, and then he's going back to Shane. So these guys clearly have their, their schedules all mapped out and a course of action. It's, it's very complicated. It's a it's an interesting roadmap. Um, yeah. The Usos were in the ring. We recapped the Revival skits in case you had missed any of them over the last month. And then we got our match, the Usos and the Revival. No, no embarrassing skit for the Revival this week. They just ended up having a match, and it ended up being one of the better matches on the show. Mm-hmm. Wilder attacked Jay at the beginning. They had the heat on him for a while. Uh, the Usos eventually came in. They attacked Dawson and sent Wilder out. That set up the commercial break. They come back, and Jay starts yelling at Dawson and calls him a bitch and then kicks Wilder from the apron. Jimmy comes in. They super kick Dawson. Wilder makes a big save, and then it was just into a series of uh, near falls and saves. Wilder hit this tornado DDT onto Jay on the floor. Jimmy followed with a suicide dive. They come back into the ring. Cradle onto Dawson for a two count. Jimmy with a super kick for another near fall on Dawson. And it ends with Dawson running Jimmy into the corner, uses an O'Connor roll, and grabs his shorts to get the pin. So the revival. So let's get this straight, everyone. Let's let's figure all this, this out together. The revival just beat 
SmackDown's team of the Usos, who have just beaten the SmackDown tag champions. Sorry, the Usos are on Raw. So the Revival beat a team on Raw who are in line for a SmackDown tag title shot. So do the Revival now qualify for the other tag division that the Usos seemingly are simultaneously part of? Can you explain to me why the Revival won this match? Or are the Usos just in, are they in their multiverse? They are one team on Raw, and they are in another universe on SmackDown. Man, I'm getting a headache, dude. I, I don't, I, uh, that's a, I don't know, dude. I guess they, they just have their storylines on Raw, and then on SmackDown, it's a different set of storylines. Uh, I, I have no explanation. So what are we up to of uh, SmackDown talent uh, tonight? It, has it only been Roman Reigns? Have we gotten anyone Kofi. else so far? And Kofi, right? Okay, so we're at two right now. I want to keep. I want to keep track every week. Um, and I don't think there were any backstage promos that are going to throw us off like Lacey Evans last week. Alexa Bliss is with Nikki Cross. The match. What do you think of the match? I thought it was a good match. I liked it. I thought it was a really good TV match. You know, you might not have liked the way they got there, but. There's no doubt in ring these two teams can deliver. So I I was more so focused on that and less so the ramifications of the match, I suppose. Thinking about who deserves what title shot at this point because I just, I can't make sense of that. Well, I was just trying to make sense of the fact that the Usos just pinned the SmackDown Tag Champions. So in theory, they should be getting a title match out of Sunday and then they lose tonight. And mm-hmm. I can't give you a clear answer. Ugh. What a mess. Bliss scolded Cross for losing last night. And then the Revival just interrupt them celebrating and doing the Santino celebration. And they want to be the next guests on a moment of bliss. Well, I mean, it's interesting that instead of begging for that SmackDown title shot, they they feel like what the ultimate prize is, is a guest spot on a, on a moment of bliss. Wait, anyone can be champions. Well, if you're them, I don't think you'd want the belts. I think Lance Storm actually did the math that 14 people have titles now on the roster. Thanks, Lance. That's a lot of people. Yeah. Then we had the Firefly Funhouse, which was kind of our edited together version where Bray was, I would assume, not present at Raw, uh, given uh, the birth of his child. And we now have opening credits. And there was a child playing the xylophone. And then we went into like this creepy music comes on and there's all of these kids. And one of the child, like his head starts morphing and he's got let him in written on his forehead. Um, I was thinking we were going to get like Al Snow and help me written on it. And then Bray appears in his mask saying, let me in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So by all accounts, it seems like perhaps the, these have kind of come to a conclusion and that they have achieved their purpose. They've, they've, they've shown you what this character looks like now. I anticipate soon we'll start to see how it translates into the ring. I would say judging by fan reaction, I think this has definitely been a success and an improvement for Bray Wyatt. I mean, obviously it, it has repackaged him. It has made his in-ring or quote-unquote promos, whatever you want to call these, far more palatable. Not as, con- well, maybe still as confusing, but I mean, at least more entertaining. So he's got people hooked. Now let's see how it translates to the in-ring. 
Yes. What is this character going to receive when he walks down the aisle in a arena? Cheers, I'm sure. Yeah, this is going to be the next... The, the test is like integrating him into uh, the actual show now. Because, yeah, these vignettes have been... They've been very well received. And I think people are... They're, they're certainly willing to see this Bray Wyatt character, um, the updated version that he's been able to craft here. And I think Bray's been great in the role. Do you think it's a heel or babyface act? A heel act. But, even, but, with the, the, but with the insincerity of presenting himself like a babyface. Well, I don't even know that that's, so, that's that obvious because I think there's a cool factor to it that'll have the audience cheering him. Do you think that there could have been more mileage out of this that you just air these these vignettes as totally campy and it's only like the the like the children's host version of Bray and it's just eventually we finally see like a sliver of the darkness start to like you've seen this character that's almost presented as like low car like lower on the card comedy figure and then you kind of introduce rather than just coming right out of the gate with the the evil aspect of it uh, put out there immediately. I think you run the risk of people dismissing him as mm-hmm. nothing. So I, I feel like they, they kind of peaked at the right time. Like I felt like if it had gone on even past money in the bank or if it had gone on too long after this without any type of reveal, I I think you would have had people just dismiss it. So yeah, I thought it was a good good amount of time. Yep, that's a, that's a fair comment. Moment of bliss. Uh, Alexa is out with Nikki Cross, who is her new sidekick, and she has requested coffee. And they bring out coffee in. So what happened here? They brought out this. I spent way too much time trying to analyze this. She she had an assistant bring out coffee. Okay, but did you see what she did? She was given two mugs. And then she took one mug and poured it into the other and handed the empty one to Nikki Cross. So did the did the assistant bring out one empty mug? Or, Or was it that one was cold? I can't tell you that I was paying that close attention to the beginning of this moment of bliss segment, but maybe it was, was it the idea that one was cold and that she had, she poured the cold one for Nikki. But the, it, it means then that both of them were not full because she poured the entire contents of one into the other. So the other one could have only been half full. <laughs> That's very true. Uh, I'll Wait, ha- I'll you, you're going to have to bear with me because this is how I'm going to get through raw. Okay. is trying to make sense of these, these little things. You've because got they, the- these are the things I spend like eight minutes on when I'm taking my notes and I, I sit back, I have a high chew and I think about this. You truly are an investigative journalist. Cause um, these are questions I wouldn't even have uh, yet. Now I'm truly intrigued. What were the, co- in the contents of this second cup? I want everyone to weigh in on this, on the, uh, the comments below. Please answer this riddle for me. Um, in terms of just playing off of Alexa, I, I really do like this pairing with Nikki Cross. I thought Nikki Cross, without, again, only having to rely on the kind of facial reactions and playing the, like, she is just so, like, she loves that Alexa Bliss notices her. And I, I think that, like, they've got a little good, uh, a good act going here uh, yeah. two weeks in. It's, it's, you know, it's an oddball pairing in the same vein as the Rock and Saw Connection, Booker T and Gold Dust, uh, except they're doing it now with two female characters. And I think it could possibly, it's certainly been a huge benefit for Nikki, probably better than anything she would have been able to do as a part of Sanity. So I think it, it greatly helps her. And honestly, like it probably helps Alexa too, because it allows her to play the, 
the bully and she's mm-hmm. great at that and ultimately there's there's a match at the end of it and it's not um, I, I think this is a much better dynamic than her with Nia Jax. Well, even if there isn't a match, I think, you know, at, at the very least, it provides some things, a compelling thing for Alexa to do every single week that's not in ring. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm very I'm looking forward to see where it goes. So Cross is standing right over Alexa and she's kind of just uh, acknowledging Nikki's in her space here and brings out Becky Lynch as her guest and immediately asks her, what is it like to no longer be Becky Two Belts? But before she can answer, the Iconics come out. So this is number, I guess they count as one. I don't think they count though, but they're... Oh, right. Oh my God. They got the belts. (laughs) Jesus fucking Christ. You're right. You're right. It is, imagine a first time viewer. That's what I want everyone to do. So, I mean, with that said, I'm actually having trouble making up the other two. But anyway, let's let's oh, let's assess at the end. Okay, we're still at two right now. There's another one that you're. It made no sense, but somehow he was integrated. Um, so the iconics are out, and they call her Becky One Belt, and they mention they still have their two belts that they won at WrestleMania. Then Lacey Evans comes out, and she takes credit for Becky losing the SmackDown Women's Title because God knows it wasn't Charlotte's big boot that ended her <laughs> title reign. Becky then sets up a challenge to take on the Iconics and Lacey Evans and Nikki Cross volunteers to team with Becky and Alexa Bliss is roped into joining them as well. So it is a six woman tag with Becky Lynch, Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross against the Iconics and Lacey Evans. And I think the most notable thing is that Alexa never entered the match and she just drank her coffee on the floor. So it was as if she was not even in the match. I thought it was a pretty clever way of, of roping Alexa into this match technically without actually being there. In fact, I thought she ended up doing the most amusing thing among these both of these segments, and that's do the doing the match, sipping coffee. What'll the if if this has to continue though? I mean, what what other items can you go through? Like, are we gonna have her come out with a vape pen, or what? What are gonna be the next things to keep her out of matches that she's technically part of? Well, I'm not sure. What else can you fill an, an invisible cup with? Maybe she'll be on her phone next week. She'll be busy, like, texting someone and never gets tagged in. And it's just going to be ways to keep her distracted from being part of a match. Hmm. We got uh, my favorite, the high cross from Nikki onto Royce. And then she went for a cover, and the referee hesitated because the shoulders were not fully down on the mat and then started to count. I think all these referees are now on edge about the shoulders being down. Like that's what this feels like. It does not feel like these, this is um, like they are specifically booking these kinds of moments. This is just the referees have to treat this as if it's real. And I think since the WrestleMania finish, they're all being extra careful to make sure they cover. Yeah. Yeah. I could understand that. I almost feel like it's, it's done to too much of a detriment. If I have to be honest, like, (sighs) I understand, like, you know, something like the Samoa Joe Ray thing deserves to be called out. But I also feel like you don't really need to call it out unless it serves your storyline purpose, right? Like, that's building to a rematch. Some of these instances... Do do you think the Joe one was just a mistake that they're capitalizing on? Or do you feel that was one that was designed to be like that? Honestly, I it's hard to tell. Because I, I wouldn't even know. I would have thought the Becky Ronda one was intentional. 
you know, to, to protect Ronda to set up for a future rematch. But um, well, well, not only that, but there's the logic of that. But the announcers calling attention to it as well. Anyone who watched that at the time is probably thinking that exact thing because the announcers clearly identified that at the WrestleMania finish as well. Yeah. Personally, I just feel like they they might be too concerned about something like this because I think if they counted to and this on a replay, somebody happens to catch it, then oh, great, big deal, good good for you, you win a medal. But like most people are not going to notice, and most of the time, I would rather like in the case of last night's uh, uh, finish with with uh, Lacey Evans, I would have rather had the the near fall before actually getting the finish. But anyway, that's just me. Um, they had the advantage on cross. She made the tag to Becky who came in with Billy Kay. She got distracted by Evans who then just left and walked to the back. So they took her out of the match. Beck her onto Kay and then Becky climbs to the top and she, you can hear her calling to Billy Kay, come closer. And then she jumps off for a missile drop kick and this did not land. And you, you've noticed it. I think it was in the Charlotte match last night. I might be mixing up matches, but it did involve Becky where the missile drop kick, they now just shoot right behind the person taking it. And both times, like they did not land pretty well. And this was pretty obvious, this one. Unfortunate. Yeah. I mean, and it, seems- it also picks up when you're yelling at them to come closer. <laughs> well, I'll be tuning into Botchamania this week. Um, and I'm sure this will appear on. But um, I yeah I don't know maybe maybe obviously there's you know Becky's working with uh, uh people such as Lacey Evans and the Iconics who kind of very much they vary in in skill level um but I don't know how much of it do you think is Becky herself? Uh, this one it just felt like Billy was too far out. I mean you have Becky calling her to get closer and anyway um she then followed with a middle rope uh, leg drop and pin Billy Kay in five thirty nine. Uh, Blitz never got into the match, and they got Evans out of the way here. So this just felt, um, when in doubt, uh, beat the women's tag champions, so, uh, who I think have lost every single match they've had on TV since winning these titles. I think they have too, yeah. You know, they're building up to Lacey versus Becky again. And uh, and not Becky going for the tag titles. No, certainly not. Why would she want those things? Um, It does not advance any other storyline, certainly not with the Iconics, so... I don't understand why you even have them on Raw other than just to lose. Uh, that, that was about it. They, they, they've got the titles. They can, they can afford losses. That's clearly, I guess. But, you know, clearly, losses. like, the appeal of, of them is, is not their credibility. Nobody sees the belts at this point as anything legitimate, in my opinion. It's, it's, you, I, I'll disagree. They did see them as legitimate titles before they put them on them. Yes. I'm saying, like, now, a whole month into this Iconics run, that the value of these belts mean, mean nothing. Um, but the Iconics are very entertaining. So if, if that's the justification to get them on both shows, I guess they got what they wanted. But at the, at the, by sacrificing these belts. And the funny part is you could have them on both shows now. It, it, Without the titles. I mean, yes. that was kind of the, the caveat before. And I think you've just, you took these titles that they introduced them, and I thought got them over pretty well with Bailey and Sasha. And they have just been buried into the ground now that they mean, they mean nothing. You have no teams that are even, have their, are trying to get these titles. Well, I think. They're not I, even part of a story where there's, there's no title chase. It'll be the, the Kabuki girls or Kabu, Kabuki ex, experience. Kabuki. The Kabuki warriors. Kabuki warriors. Thank you, John. It'll be them. Um, 
and you know these these titles aren't aren't like beyond rehabbing this seems to be we know how they build baby faces okay you job the shit out of them until uh audience demands that they they get pushed and when you finally push them because the audience said so audience will feel like they achieved it same with their heels they <laughs> built their heels you can't do it with Bo. we, we beat all our no. baby faces and all our no, heels. no 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 no. that's not what i mean i mean they the, the way they built their heels is they give them these championship belts and they either take them off of tv for a long long time like brock lesnar yet they still keep giving them these belts or in the case of the iconics they keep dropping them out and to the point where your audience gets so fed up that they really want to see these belts taken off of these people and then when you finally have somebody, um, you know, who seems like they're in contention to take the belt off of them, you're going to get tremendous heat if they retain. This is, I mean, to me, this, I don't know. I, it's, they, they must have a method to all this. Someone has to look this up. Have they defended the titles once on TV? Yes, to, to the jobber uh, duel. Oh, that's right. That's right. They had that match. Yeah, I mean, it's the gimmick, you know, like, but, but again, like, to go from Bailey and Sasha, two very credible champions to essentially what has become like a joke championship. I, I'm sure a lot of people aren't, aren't really happy with that. Foley is in the back, and that meant television time for Carl Anderson, Luke Gallows, EC3, Mojo Raleigh, No Way Jose, and I had to look this guy up. His name is Cedric Alexander. Do we know if any of these people are, are SmackDown members? Oh, dude, I, I can't. There's no way. Well, Mojo, we've seen on Raw. What are Gallows and Anderson? I thought they were on SmackDown. Okay. I'll I'll try to look it up. Okay, if you want. Uh, There's no way I can tell you. Mick Foley comes out with his bag, and he notes the groundbreaking announcement that he has. The ground is going to break. They're on Raw. They are on Raw. Okay. I think so. There was a big chant for Foley. And he says that something has been missing from Raw. We need to get Raw again. Let's make Monday Night's Raw again. Oh, my God. Let's make Monday Night's Raw again. I feel so bad for him. Like This was, this was some really tough material that they threw at McFoley and a concept that, my God, they just sent this guy out to die. This is just unfortunate. And to his credit, Mick tried so hard to get this title over as something. He gave this, he gave like a pretty impassioned speech about a title is not just like some prop that you hold. It's a mentality of you being a champion and it consumes you every single day, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And there's something about that term 24 seven that to wrestling fans, they just equate it to the comedy title of the early 2000s. And I think as soon as he said that, everyone knew what this was. And he introduced the title. And this reaction, like this went over like a fart in church. He announces this can be defended anytime, any place. It could even happen on a golf course. As long as there is a referee present, it could happen if you're sliding down uh, at Chuck E. Cheese. And there are falls count anywhere for this match. The third hour of Raw is going to get nasty. And he puts down the title in the middle of the ring and says, we're going to have a scramble. This is literally the the remnants of 
the XFL where they where they would do for per, for possession of the ball at the beginning of the game. This is how yeah. they were going to determine their champion. Run out and grab this thing and you're the champion. And it's open to Raw, SmackDown, 205 Live, NXT and NXT UK and even the occasional visiting legend. I would love it if Walter was a 24/7 champion. Oh, man. So the bell rings and that's this title is just sitting here and I just I have never seen something die so quickly. And then the procession of geeks that run out for this title. Not a star in sight. Mm-mm. We've got Mojo, Titus, Cedric, uh Eric Young is back, Gallows and Anderson, Drake Maverick. This e- EC3 EC3. Not only notable the people that were coming for this title, what was way more glaring were the people that could not possibly think about sitting up in the locker room and going after this title. Are you kidding me? Running all the way there for this? This was... Uh. I, even as silly as the hardcore title got, they introduced it as a title for Mick Foley. You know what I mean? To start mm-hmm. this thing off with at least something. And then it ultimately became a comedy title, but it did not start out as that. It was given as like this lifetime achievement award to Mick Foley. This thing was a nothing title in the fastest time ever. Titus grabs this thing at 2.13. He is going up the ramp. John, wait. You actually timed these matches? They rang the bell. Yeah. (laughs) Amazing. Thank you. Thank you. I only only timed the first one. (laughs) 2.13. <laughs> to crown our new champion, Wade. Amazing. Wait, this is going to be historic. No, I, One day I, we're going to look I, back I, at the first ever 24-7 champion. It's going to be a trivia question when Titus goes into the Hall of Fame. The first ever 24-7 <laughs> champion. Two minutes and 13 seconds after the spudster was tossed over the top by Titus O'Neil to the floor. Listen, I only, I only feel for people such as yourself and anybody out there, the people in charge of the Wikipedia entries, uh, cagematch.com, whatever, all these people that have to keep track of this shit, not only that, but the times as well. This is a, a device created to make your lives worse, so good luck to all of you. As Titus is going up the ramp, he is rolled up by Bobby Roode, who wins... And then we got the comedy of him running around the arena as all the other idiots chased after him. Yeah, I, I, I didn't understand. As much as there is a negativity sometimes when you're trying to get new ideas across, I thought there was a genuine enthusiasm from people on Sunday night of what is this title going to be and what are they going to do with it? And they just, like, what's the point of this? If you want a comedy title... It's called the Raw Tag Titles. That's what we have as our comedy title right now. Like, what the, what does a title mean if if it's got to be on Titus O'Neil? Um, all it means is that it gives your growing roster of jobbers in the back something to do every single week, whether it be on Raw itself or .com. It's a way for them to get on TV without actually having to come out, do the entrance, have a match that might kill the ratings. This is just something for them, you know. So, I, on that basis, I don't hate it that much. I just think audiences really have to temper their expectations about what this is. Um, and it's no more than a job or championship. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't like this at all. I just thought you just clearly labeled it as such on week one. 
I'll tell you what I don't like is the way it looks. Man, like, green, there's nothing wrong with, I don't think. I think it's fine, but it's just the, the face on it. It looks like a clock. And maybe that's the intent, but man, God, who wants to win that? So, Root is hiding in the back. The Miz and Drew McIntyre was next, with Shane McMahon out. Drew was in control uh, until Miz attacked his knee, and then Miz got seated on the barricade and knocked off. Uh, we came back from a commercial break, and Miz hit a powerbomb off the turnbuckle, and then Miz went for a springboard axe handle. And I think Miz coming off of top ropes should be eliminated. Drew lifted him up, and Miz hit a Rana onto him, and then goes for the skull-crushing finale. It's blocked. Shane nails him from the floor. That sets up a near fall. And then the Claymore misses. Miz applies to figure four. Shane runs away as they go to the floor and then comes back, nails the Miz from behind, and he's distracted, hit with the Claymore. Drew wins. I thought both men were working really hard in the match, but it's still really hard for me to get behind the Miz's in-ring style as a babyface, unless he's in there with somebody he has a personal grudge against, like a Shane McMahon. But... I, I also felt the third hour drag on me uh, by this point. Yeah, this was, you were starting to hit that fatigue. And this show, I thought I thought it did move uh, way quicker than last week's. Last week's was just going at a painful pace for it's me. Because of that 24-7 championship. That, that, that must have been it. Yeah, it was just so fast-paced. Uh, Drew places Miz into the corner. And Shane is setting up for the coast-to-coast dropkick when his good pal Roman Reigns runs down to stop it. Superman punched to Drew, but chases Shane away. And Renee notes how Shane has the best cardio in the biz. The so he's, he's that now as well. Not only does he have the best striking, the best submissions, he's just overall the best in the world. He's got the best cardio as well. Yes, wow. it's clear. Like when his face is all red there, that's just from, you know, he's just getting warmed up. Well, I'd love to see him in a foot race against somebody. <laughs> he's a sweater. Him and Brock having a match together would be something. They'd probably lose a combined 15 pounds. Corbin and Lashley are backstage, and Bobby Roode's running away with the title. The Geeks chased after him, and Drake Maverick is hobbling behind behind everybody. And we go to Charlie, who says, The 24-7 title has the entire Raw roster on their toes. Uh, yeah, then we cut to AJ Styles, who just shrugged his shoulders and said, I'm good. She interviewed Kofi Kingston and Seth Rollins. Charlie tried to stir up shit here by asking who would Lesnar prefer to cash in on. And Kingston does his hip deal, tried to get Seth Rollins to do it. He would not. He just walked off. Then they made the announcement. Rey Mysterio suffered a separated shoulder during the match with Samoa Joe on Sunday. And Joe did a promo saying his shoulders were not fully on the mat and he never lost his title. But he's not angry because he says Rey is honorable and he would never tarnish his reputation by accepting Sunday's result. And he expects Ray to give him the title back and lead by example. Be the man that you hope Dominic will grow up to be. And the answer will come next week. It is the state of the United States title. Is the injury legit? Yes. Uh, apparently, this is a actual injury he suffered during, I think it was the Uranagi spot. Oh my god, for like a minute match, damn, they really had some bad luck between the blood and and a separated shoulder. Yeah, this might be a, a record for, I <laughs> guess the, the Uranagi was the post-match, but within yeah. a, like five minutes that you had two injuries to the guys. Right. Uh, I really like the promo from Joe, man. Again, he he's like the only guy who can make these selfie promos. Not only cool, but like in this case, scary. 
Imagine getting this in iMessage from somebody. Oh my god. Yeah, they should have just cut away and Dominic's on his phone and he's just like it looks frightened at this this message that has just come through. Yeah, Joe Joe, this was a great promo from him. Uh and Joe you, even if you put if you put a dog filter on this, I'd still be scared. Um Yeah, definitely. Maybe that's uh Somebody out there, somebody out there, please gender swap uh, Joe's face on Snapchat. Uh, Bobby Roode runs out of the arena and he's asking R-Truth for help. So R-Truth, let's let's just stop right there. R-Truth is packing up his car to leave. Is that what you took from this? <laughs> um, Not really. No, this was clearly a setup. Explain how this was a setup. He knew Robert Roode was running backstage. He he was looking for cover, and he had a grand plan to help him hide so that he can beat him for the the belt when he was alone. So our truth worked out a deal to come to Raw tonight from SmackDown. Oh, he's a SmackDown guy. Yes. <laughs> so my question was going okay. to be: if he was packing his car to leave, what did he come here for? I mean, clearly he came to see what this was about. And then um, he and then he was like, ah, I don't want any part of this title. No, this was clearly a setup from Truth. Um, you know whether or not he had any prior knowledge of this belt existing prior, and if he didn't, what was he here for? I can't why, really tell you. Why didn't he run out for the title? He Did he know this was going to happen. Well, that- clear. You know what? This was Truth. Clearly, he might have been confused. Maybe he thought today was Tuesday. He might not even be properly signed up for a wild card spot. So he helps Bobby Roode by hiding him in the trunk. So all the geeks come out and then they get uh, sent in the wrong direction by Truth, who returns, opens the trunk, and then he's helping Bobby Roode to the passenger side door, which opens, and there is a referee. So I guess this was his his well-thought-out plan. Um, The question is, what if Bobby had not shown up? Then I guess he would have went home really sad. With a referee. That would have been kidnapping. Sure, the conversation would have been nice. So Truth then attacks Bobby Roode once Roode realizes this is a plot that he has stumbled into. And R-Truth wins the title, who, if this is going to be a stupid title, this is probably the best guy to do this with. And Are you kidding R-Truth, me, Truth? Like, he's going to lose it tomorrow. I think, he's, I think he's going to be the guy that it's just, uh, they do all the title changes, but it ultimately comes back to him because I think this is the best guy to do all these skits with. I think you're going to see this thing bounce around every single episode. It, it will, but I think that you'll get like the Crash Holly thing where this guy's going to have 55 title reigns by the end of next month. I will say what, what might pique my interest is to see how they integrate the other shows into it. You know, are they going to, to do it on 205 Live tomorrow? Will they carry this to NXT this week? How will they coordinate that? Will people yeah. care? God, they just did our truth and Walter last week. On the oh house show, God. they they wait. That's they should have waited a week. Um, so our truth then posted a photo online, uh, holding up his title, saying, "I'm going to SmackDown Live with the European title." <laughs> so I mean, at least our truth will have some entertaining segments. But I thought this was a, a a horrible introduction of this title and just instantly labeling it as nothing. I would have at least thrown some people into this to make it seem more coveted than just instantly telling everybody this is the title for the thing is man thing is if you have any legitimate contender going for this belt it immediately devalues that person 
Well, what does that tell you? That what what is this thing adding to the show? It's a jobber title. It's not. It's not a mid card title. It's below that. It's a C level title. I you're trying to make. You're trying to make big changes to this show, and and this is. So I'm not even opposed to like if you have a great idea for a title, great. But this is not. It is doing nothing. Well, all it is is giving airtime to the people in the back who don't have it, who you're too scared to put on without such a title. And instead, as yeah. you mentioned, it just devalues the title. So the title means nothing on people that mean nothing. Pretty much, yeah. But it, you know, it, for a few weeks, I think it'll mean something. But six months from now, I think it'll be the same thing, like the, the hardcore thing. Nobody will care. Seth Rollins and Kofi Kingston against Baron Corbin and Bobby Lashley was the main event. Corbin attacked Rollins on the ramp. All four fought there, and... They're beating down Kingston and Rollins as they go to break, and Michael Cole yells going to break, Brock is still here! Don't tune away! Rollins gets buried underneath these chairs. If they want me to stick around, like, with Brock Lesnar there, just, like, show me a picture-in-picture of Brock Lesnar watching this match in the back, and just give me Brock Lesnar's commentary. Like, take mute the announcers. I want to have director's commentary for wrestling with Brock Lesnar. Now stupid he thinks this third hour of Raw is. He might have been watching the basketball game. I'd watch that. Rollins uh, comes out from underneath the chairs and brings a chair into the ring. And I guess this was no DQ? They announced this was no DQ, yes. All right, because he just started attacking them and Cole said that's legal. Uh, Lashley pulls him to the floor. They stumbled here trying to get Lashley over the top to the floor. It took two tries. And then Rollins landed a dive. Kingston did his trust fall onto both. And then Kingston, in the ring with Corbin, did a reversal, landing the trouble in paradise. And after Corbin pinned Seth Rollins, pinned Ricochet, boom, we're Kofi pins him here. So Corbin was brought back down to earth. Corbin pinned Seth Rollins? They did this for two, the last two weeks. He pinned Rollins in a tag, and then he beat Ricochet last week. He pinned Rollins in a... Remember the week that your favorite match, I, Rollins and AJ teaming up together? You're right. Yes, yes, yes. Because because he left. Yeah. Well, none of this matters. So uh, I don't think this matters I, either. I want it to matter. <laughs> I want this stuff to have great impact on things moving forward. Well, um, I mean, Kofi won. Yeah. Lashley speared Kingston and Rollins after the match, and then Lesnar comes down. Rollins is holding a chair. Brock circles around the ring. He teases entering. Then he bails, and Heyman tells Lesnar, you're in their heads. You know what we should do? We should get back on a plane. You should go back home. And then next Monday, you get on another plane, and you go to Kansas City, and we do this whole shit one more time. And Brock was like, yeah, awesome plan, Paul. Let's do that. And that's how the show ended. Mm-hmm. So at the end of this, there was at least a, a promise from Heyman that they will reveal their choice next week. And I think we could assume that that's when he'll announce the Seth Rollins thing. But uh, I got the tease here and I don't know this. Do you think that they, that he could end up selecting both and they do yeah. a three way? Yeah, that's sure. That is what they were teasing. And it almost makes by having Kofi so attached here, it really makes his title feel secondary. If Brock, chooses one over the other and chooses Rollins. They've often like, had... I feel he could choose both. I mean, we don't know if that's allowed. Is it? Is it? 
oh yeah, let's look up the rule book that they are <laughs> they choose, but they but go listen, by the letter of the law every single week. Now, but, but it's it's somewhat dangerous because if if they allow this, then why wouldn't any money in the bank winner decide to do this? Because that's next year's problem, and we're dealing with <laughs> next week's pay per view. <laughs> Well, that's a very, very good point. Um, you know, but in the past, they have, they've always had to kind of deal with the issue of uh, one person wanting, like the Royal Rumble winner. He has to choose between Raw and SmackDown, and often he'll have to pick one. Like Seth Rollins this year had to do that. Um, doesn't necessarily make the other. We know though, the 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 Kofi belt is more of a secondary belt. The SmackDown Championship, by default, is more of a secondary championship. So I don't think they lose anything. But I, they could do that. They could do the three way. And who do you They're have? They're definitely with? teasing that. That like that. That was the big takeaway for me at the end of the show is that they could end up doing a three way here. They have not. Who who is ready for Kofi on that show? Uh, on SmackDown, like unless they shoot an angle tomorrow, um, which yeah. they could. Unless they but... do Owens again. Um, honestly, it'd be Shane McMahon given his win streak. Well, he's got a match on the show, so it yeah. won't be him. Yeah, Shane would be the number one contender. Yeah, uh, I I don't know. I, I don't know. That's their problem, John. But uh, okay, let's say they do the three way. How do you book your your way out of that? Um, you can announce that. Um, well, it's a way to beat Brock without pinning Brock, and you have a double champ. I think have to come up. I think maybe they do. Maybe they do. No, that's way that's way too much. And I don't think they're going to take the... Like, they've already just dealt with that with Becky. And it's kind of proven to be a problem, you know? Um, so the, you'd have to get the belt back off of Seth. It's just... It's too troublesome. I think well, maybe, may, maybe Brock pins Kofi. So Brock becomes... Man, that would piss a lot of people off. A lot of people. Which means that they'll definitely do it. Or he beats so. Seth. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm I'm really not so sure. I think Brock should challenge our truth. Just throw everybody a curveball. Brock is the 24/7 champion. Yeah, he could take that. He should take. And all then the instead of the trade-off is Brock, you never have to leave your home. We will send the talent to you, and they've got to retrieve the title off of your compound. God, could you imagine like Cedric Alexander going to Brock Lesnar's house, trying to take that belt? Yeah, of course I'd watch that. Brock chasing off the revival with like firearms. <laughs> He's on his yeah, doing his shooting his hunting show. Yeah. Oh my god, that that's uh, who would be the producer in charge of that one? That could be that could be some great television right there. Yeah. Brock is the twenty four seven champion. Be a great idea. Uh, your thoughts on Raw tonight? Um, you know, like you, I I definitely I felt like the first couple hours were totally cool. Like it it. it it, the first, the first two, I thought moved, flew, flew past. By the time they got to, Let, the, let's not say flew. Flew is a, yeah. a very, very generous. Movie. I was, uh, I, I was, I had a very steady heart rate. I had a, a healthy heart rate, I should say. And then by the third hour, I mean, from the moment they introduced the the twenty four seven thing, which again I understand why they're doing, but just uh, between that and even the main event, which is fine, but it was just a match with zero stakes. And I think what you alluded to with the, the wins and losses exactly tells me why I don't give a shit, no matter what the star power is in the main event, because I know the, the result of this match is meaningless. I've seen these people wrestle, I, the, the, but who wins or loses in this match means nothing. So, I mean, there's a reason why I guess AEW is making such a big, you know, uh, statement with, with all their points and all that stuff. I mean, I'm curious to see how they do that, because it'll be quite the feat to pull off, but... 
clearly it would it would remedy a, 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 a real problem that Raw's been having for a long time. I think people just want to believe, like, that's kind of an understated problem is the idea that these matches that you're watching on TV each week, um, you know, you're, you're, you're going to have varying degrees of importance with your matches when you're doing television every week and multiple hours of it. But we're at a point now where it's, it's like it's actively trying to turn your brain off to expecting any of this to, to make sense. I mean, even like last week, justifying the fact that, okay, you're booking Corbin and Ricochet. Um, Corbin is like, you can understand why he goes over. Like he beat Seth the prior week. They're obviously building him up for something. And then tonight he's the one that they designate to take the fall. It's just like any faith you put into it. I I think you, you're giving way too much benefit of the doubt because I, I don't think that they are necessarily rewarding you for even paying attention to that. Yeah. It's, it's kind of unfortunate. It's, it just seems to be what happens when you book for Next week, rather than maybe next month. Well, that was that was raw. Um, let's go to the feedback. I want to see what people have to say about uh, tonight's show. Forum.postwrestling.com is where you can go after all of our shows and leave us your feedback. And tonight, our poll. What did you think of tonight's episode? We got a failure way. A 4.55. Mm. And we don't, we don't round up here. Paul from New Jersey. Like many, I didn't like Brock winning Money in the Bank. I did, however, find myself amused watching Brock hold the case up to his ear and laugh hysterically. I enjoyed the dynamic between Alexa and Nikki Cross. I really wish they would stop jobbing out the women's tag champions, but I'm just going to have to accept the fact that that's not going to happen. The Iconics are still winners in my book. No, they're actually losers every single week. I firmly believe the 24-7 title can actually be a really good idea. Oh my goodness, Paul. He's not, Paul's not the only one. You know, oh. there there are certainly people that are in favor of this. Wrestling does seem to use social media extremely well, and I interpret this as a title for those who get little to no screen time. Someone like Tyler Breeze or EC3 could really thrive with a concept like this, but it all depends on how seriously they take it and what they do going forward. I mean, I think that's a very solid point. Like, the last time the 24-7 belt was around, we didn't have social media. We didn't have all these venue, uh, venues where people can shoot their own thing. If, like, I don't know, so, uh, somebody wanted to shoot a thing on Snapchat or, or whatever uh, and lose the belt there, maybe they will do that. Or maybe not. Maybe this will just be what it is. But I, I at least the, the the potential is there. We go to Andrew from Cape Breton who says, I really enjoyed Raw tonight. They had two great matches with Cesaro versus Ricochet and the Usos versus The Revival. The main event was decent too, but that's not what anyone is here to talk about. I liked the 24-7 rule back in the day, and I think it could work now. The biggest problem with it is the title serves no purpose. Why don't they just have it be that if you keep the title for 30 days, you get a world title shot. That way, you can build someone up for a future pay-per-view and even take the title away from someone who is close to 30 days. You could also then vacate it and do the scramble again. I can have comedy here and there mixed in with some seriousness, and it gives the title a point. One last thing is I love Nikki Cross now. She seems so charming, and I can see her being built up as this weird version of Bailey, but from the ground up like Bailey in NXT. My fear is she could end up having the future of lackeys of the past like Alex Riley and Dana Brooke. But again, she has this charm to her. She seems really likable, and you can't really fake that. Six title changes out of ten. What, what, do, you think, what do you think of Andrew's idea? I mean, I, you know, simply the the concept of perhaps adding some stakes to this belt, something like what Andrew suggested. If you hold it for 30 days, you get this other thing. Might not have to be a world title shot, but you get this other thing to at least 
give a goal for somebody who holds it to keep it. Who won the WrestleMania? Who won the Andre the Giant Battle Royal this year? Way. Braun. Was it Braun? You could tell me anyone right now, and I, I probably I wouldn't. Know. I don't know. I'm not sure. I mean, they don't put. I, I don't see them. I don't see them doing that. I don't uh, like it's not it's, not whether or not they will, but but should they? I would say that if you're putting something like that, hold it for 30 days and you get something, it's almost negating the whole concept that it's been introduced to do, which is just wacky title changes in strange locations that'll have some novelty value for a few weeks that you can, yeah, you can do this across platforms. You can do it at different shows. Um, but I think it, this is like, it's earmarked for people that we, we actively didn't do anything with these people. And now this is a division that it's just, it's just to keep all these people busy. Yeah, someone might catch fire here um, and yeah. do something, but I I think ultimately it's it's with people that I just think it, it's it's a very low return. I think they've told you right now it's just an idea they're throwing out there, and I just don't think it's it's a significant change that they're making. And I think that's what people are looking for in the show are significant things. It was Braun Strowman. Do you have any guesses who the runner up was? Colin Jost. Ding, ding, ding. It was a Colin Jost? Yeah. Wow. He's engaged to Scarlett Johansson. Yes. Yeah. Well done. Yeah. It was, someone said that the, uh, the hashtag when they get married should be Jost married. Very good. There's a lot of people like me out there, way More than you think. Uh, let's go to Sean from Toronto. I didn't watch Raw this week, which is awesome for feedback to the show. But I'm still leaving feedback because I saw the clips and photos of the 24-7 championship, and I frankly could not believe what I've seen. The creative direction of WWE has been hurting for quite some time, and I fear this pushes them past the point of no return for me. I've been watching WWE on and off for the better part of three decades, but I no longer recognize the product I fell in love with as a child. Wow, what a disappointing piece of feedback this is. Because I once again don't want anything to do with their Saudi Arabia shows, I was already planning on taking a hiatus from watching Raw. However, whether or not I go back to watching regularly remains a question at this point, even though I'll at the very least stay committed until SummerSlam. So Sean's on the ledge, but he's he's not fully uh, committed yet. Chris from Queensland, Australia. The introduction of a new title was the reason why I watched live tonight. I got thinking before the announcement was going to be that this was going to be a women's secondary championship like the IC or US or even the unification of the men's tag team championships because those divisions are so small. Well, if the fact I burst into laughter at the sight of the 24-7 championship isn't a sign of WWE being desperate for an audience, I don't know what is. So the wildcard rule introduced two weeks ago if effectively is effectively null and void with anyone from any brand able to challenge at any time. Hmm, did they... I mean... I mean, it goes back to whether or not our truth was here because of the twenty four seven rule, or or whether or not it was the wild card thing. By the way, who are the four today? Okay, let's try. Uh, Roman Reigns, Kofi, Kofi, our truth. I, I seriously cannot tell you if one of the uh, if one of the twenty four seven people was a SmackDown person. Like, I can't tell you where Drake Maverick is. Is he a SmackDown guy? I think the authors are paying are, aren't they? Or wait, they weren't even drafted. Well, Drake Maverick was on 205 Live, so he was on Tuesday's show. Was he ever, he was not even on a brand, right? Or was he? God, I, uh, they never explained. Well, he was, he was, when he did the piss gimmick, that was, that was raw. 
That was raw. And he never moved, right? So not I guess that, he's a raw guy. Not that we, we know. So it's not always for everybody. Unless I'm wrong. Please please correct us. Uh, the, yeah, and the iconics we established don't count, right? They yeah, don't count. Who, who else was in the, the uh, Lacey Evans is on Raw? Be- what, what is Becky Lynch now? She's is raw. she raw because she got she is on the raw she has the raw championship. She said she's raw full time, but yeah. she was SmackDown prior because she had the belt. Okay, no, she was what? she was on SmackDown. That's how she won the belt, right? But because she is raw champion now, she is full time raw. So if the Usos beat Daniel Bryan and Rowan, they're on SmackDown. That's probably how it works. My brain is about to explode, so I think we should shelve this for the time being. Uh, maybe get back to it tomorrow. I can't, I can't handle this math. I didn't anticipate to do this uh, quantum physics talking about wrestling. If you have an opinion, let us know. It's a mess. That's all it is. Chris goes on to say the belts appear to be have been designed this morning as it's very bland. But then we get to the match, which I'm using in a broadest sense, as this was worse than the TNA Reverse Battle Royal. Honestly, running and grab the championship was horrible when people were running around corners to fight and not sliding into the ring to grab the belt. Highlight of the night was the crowd when they first saw the belt. I guess the lesson is to expect the lowest thing possible from WWE and you won't be disappointed. Alex from Maple. How can anyone think the jobber title that changes hands four times in the show is a good idea? No, it changed hands three times. This show was utter trash. Just when I thought Money in the Bank was actually a decent show, we get that awful women's segment by and match. It's sad that we will lose all the money in the bank briefcases next week when Brock and Rollins is confirmed from Saudi Arabia. I guess long-term booking is dead. Long live 24-7 nonsense. Brandon from New Jersey. Yes. My dearest Postals, it is I, Brandon, yes. I apologize for not honoring my commitment last night and doing a Scott Hall no-show, but alas, I fell asleep during the main event at Money in the Bank. Alas, I'm here now and nobody cares about yesterday because who lives in the past is doomed to repeat it. Am I right, Way? Pretty sanguine. Hey, Jopo. Angelo Raw. Fun show from Albany. From an epic tag match between the rival and the Usos to the 24-7 belt shenanigans, it was a laugh a minute. Meanderings. From the bottom of my heart, I want to say thank you to you both and anyone else involved in the Open Owen Project. It was tremendous. A thousand thanks. Wow, that was like a odd, out of place bit of sincerity from Brandon. Wow. But all credit goes to John. I had zero to, uh, to do with it. So if you're going to tweet to anybody, please leave me out of it. Renee Young sounds like a Mike Goldberg audio file, which is a bummer because I'm a fan of hers as a personality. Ren and Stimpy Narita. What's next for him? <laughs> Ren and Stimpy Narita. Jesus. Well, uh, I think he's going to lose every match in the in the tournament. Separated at birth, Michelle Pereira and Ty Dillinger. Wait, you should seriously watch this guy's highlights. Uh, Michelle Pereira, he made his UFC debut on Saturday, and he does all of this like wacky stuff with his striking. Like he tried a pair of Showtime kicks, and then man, the knockout was just vicious. But if you go online and you can see highlights of him. Dude, he jumped off of, off of a cage. This was outside UFC and went for like a quebrada. Wow, cool. Like he just does I think crazy I've seen stuff. It. I think I've seen yeah. it. Yeah, so he's, you know, certainly has the highlight reel, but 
you know, against uh, higher level fighters may have problems with that style. But um, anyway, and he looks like Ty Dillinger. Yeah. According to Brandon. Bailey went from hissy fit on the floor at Mania and on her way to the AEW women's title, jobbing to Brandy Rhodes to WWE champion. What a ride. Well, I don't know about that. Way, why are you trying to erase me? Also, what are the chances that we can get a chant going at the next meetup like the Usos? For example, Wei Ting, John Pollack, W.H. Park, eh? I think that was one too many for Brandon. But some uh, great points, as always, from Brandon from New Jersey. Last one, Alexander from Portland. I gotta say I'm disappointed with both Money in the Banks this year that will be cashed in within the month of their winnings. Suppose it makes somewhat sense with the introduction of the 24-7 title. While I dislike the idea of it, at least it'll allow guys like EC3 and No Way Jose to be on TV more regularly. It'll be hard to take anyone seriously with a gimmicky title that's so hideous. Will the 24-7 champion not be counted for the four wildcard appearances? Guys, Way's head. Just have some, have some empathy. Where's Dolph Ziggler? Any reason for his absence? Uh, he's just on a hiatus. He's doing he's doing his stand up stuff. He was hosting. Uh, he was doing some like hosting work at these um, awards uh, an award show the other night. I saw, uh, but yeah, he's just he's just on a sabbatical. Um, and who do you think Bray Wyatt's first feud will be with? Hmm. Uh, do you think he'll be on Raw or SmackDown? First of all, I think Raw. I think Raw as well. Um, Does it matter? No, it doesn't matter. So you well, can go anywhere. Yeah. Um, uh, Mojo. No, no, they won't put him with Mojo. Maybe the Lucha House Party. Sir. I don't know. They'll put someone under like a, a trance or something like that. Finn Balor. I don't know. I don't fucking know. I don't, whatever. Okay. This show's broken us, man. Hey, I, I didn't. I didn't think this would do. This would have this effect on we the made, two of us. We made it. We made it. Uh, okay, so one more time. Uh, not only uh, the Owen Hart documentary is is up there on the feed right now. If you just scroll past this show, if you want more, but also on the up next feed, uh, Davey Portman and Mike Hogan, his friend, have talk have uh, a podcast talking about the Game of Thrones finale that just came out on Sunday. So if you're a Game of Thrones fan, what do they call those people? Um, gamers, okay. Throners, um, if you're a gamer or a throner, whatever you are, and you if you like the 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 uh, uh, critical analysis of the Davy Portman and the BDE in general, I'm sure you will very much enjoy this. They are pl- planning also to do a Pokemon movie review, uh, so subscribe to Up Next. Yeah, it seems some people are just absolutely upset with this finale. I'm not. Any of those things, so I I can't really weigh in. No, that's unfortunate. All right, well, go listen to Davey. He'll he'll set everyone straight on on whether it was a successful show or not or series. Um, that's it for us. Goodbye, everyone. Uh, Way and I will be back on Rewind to SmackDown uh, because we are allowed to appear on that show as well as this show on Monday and Tuesday. Who nights. knows? Maybe we'll we'll just do a show in the middle of the day while you know any time. John might be sleeping, and I might be there with a a recorder, and I'll just do it because these podcasts exist 24-7. All right. Good night, everyone. I need a break.